This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Making the most of now. Young women in Otatahi Christchurch, New Zealand, talk about living through the earthquakes, the mosque shootings, and the COVID-19 pandemic. These oral histories were recorded by Louise Tapper and Rosemary Duplice. Thanks to the Christchurch branch of the National Council of Women, the Collaborative Trust, and UC Quake Studies. Today, Elle tells her story. Elle is 20 years old, a student, and identifies as non-binary. Just um, to start with, can you just tell me a bit about how things are going for you at the moment? What's your life like at the moment? What's happening for you, Elle? All right. Um, well, my life at the moment is mostly uh, dominated by my, my study. Um, I'm studying to be a florist at the moment, um, so that's like a really exciting part of my life. But um, we, we are on break for the summer, so I've got not much on for a while, so my life looks like a lot of quiet days in, um, spending time with friends. Uh, I'm hoping to become part of an upcoming musical with my musical society. Um, other than that, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of quiet days, a lot of reading. Um, and then I'll head back to it in February next year. Okay. And um, things have been okay for you? You've been feeling all right lately? Um, I mean, I, I have a lot of mental health issues, but generally for the most part, it's been a really, really good couple, last couple of months. Um, this year's been quite a hard year, um, and I honestly think that I'm in probably the best place that I've been all this year. So things are going up. <laughs> That's so good to hear. Yeah. It's really great. Um, El, um, what about some bit of Christchurch-related history now? What <laughs> What do you remember most about the time of the the Canterbury earthquakes? Um, so I wasn't living in Christchurch at that time. I was in Auckland. I I specifically moved down to Christchurch because I really liked the city. Um, so I remember I had a lot of friends down here, and I remember just sitting in front of my television for about six or seven hours straight with my parents, just watching the footage over and over and over again and calling all of our friends and making sure that they were okay, you know, just hearing horrific things like, oh yeah, the chimney's collapsed and this is all here and the, the road's all in ruins and it was just... So I wasn't here for it, but I, I definitely like felt those effects and then I... I chose to move to Christchurch because I really, really like the city. I like how it's rebuilding. Um, and at the time when I moved here about three and a half years ago, I wanted to be in a place that was rebuilding alongside me at the same time as me. So I, um, I had a lot of friends and family be like, oh, why do you want to move down to Christchurch? It's like got loads of earthquakes. It's really unsafe. And I was just like, honestly, I, I don't mind. I like that about it. But yeah, I do remember it, it, it does follow you around, definitely. And that's from somebody who wasn't even here, you know. I know a lot of friends who um, still get a lot of like flashbacks and things from that. And, you know, they'll feel something or a bus move and they go, oh, I need to get under a doorway. So I know that it's affected people a lot. Yeah. So how old would you would have been? I was 11. 10 or 11 yeah. years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and I'm 20 now. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so it's cool and remembering it. Um, yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah. And, and you say a lot of your friends that you've made in Christchurch still feel, what do they feel? They still feel anxious? They yeah. definitely still feel the effects. Um, I know that, yeah, a lot of them have like lasting anxiety or trauma around the earthquakes because they either, you know, were directly involved in it or they had friends and family who were, like, everybody kind of has a story to tell, you know? Um, I could ask any one of my friends and they'd probably be able to tell me exactly what happened to them on the day of the earthquakes because they remember it in such vivid detail. Because, um, yeah, it was a traumatic event, so, <laughs> yeah. And do you think it had impacts on their families, these young people oh, definitely, too, can you remember? Definitely. I know that, um, I just remember it was, it was a very stressful time for everybody, but in more ways than one, because while you know, these young people and even these adults who were living through it were trying to recover from the, the stress and the trauma of just the, the natural disaster itself, you know, there was a whole city to be fixed. So they had to worry about insurance and worry about rebuilding and worry about like clean water and worry about power. And so for a couple of years there, everybody was so focused on surviving that, um, and that's, you know, that's a really not the best way to live from somebody who's experienced that themselves, you know, it really takes away your, I guess your lust for life because you are focused on just making it through the day. Mm. Um, so I know that a lot of my friends deal with that sort of thing. Did they talk about how it might have, um, the, the, your young woman friends particularly, because obviously mm -hmm. that's who we're, we're um, focusing on here, yeah. might have impacted on them in terms of schooling, you know, going to school and how, because they would have been about, I guess, they were about around my 10 age, to 14 yeah. or something. Um, I remember, of course, yeah, I wasn't somebody who lived through it mm, personally. That's what they said. But, um, yeah, in terms of what they said, I know that it definitely had an effect on everybody's schooling. I mean, for a while, you know, grades kind of dropped, you know, attendance was pretty bad, but it was, it was purely because, like, people were just really stressed. And stress just wreaks havoc on the body. And so I think they definitely found it harder to study. They definitely find, found motivation a lot harder. Um, you know, people who wanted to put, suddenly all those kind of extra things on top just went out the window, all the lovely extracurricular things that they did. Um, one of my favorite memories is of uh, a friend telling me that they finished off a musical uh, that they were doing at the time in a tent in a car park um, because they wanted to finish the show. And then um, eight years later, we, we put it back on in the new Nio Marsh Theatre at the University of Canterbury. Um, so it was a really monumental moment for her. She was the, she was, she was the ensemble the first time and then she was um, the president of the company. So she definitely felt a sense of triumph from the fact that it, it inhabited, uh, sorry, inhibited her, um, yeah, her life and her uh, opportunities to do things that, you know, were fun and were kind of, yeah, exciting things that, you, that kind of just got taken away by the earthquakes, I guess. A lot of all, all of the money of the city was kind of being poured into rebuilding, so there wasn't much time for extracurriculars. Yeah. But do you think things 
earthquake related? Do you think things in the city, do you say you like the city you chose to come to Christchurch? Do you think it's pretty right now? Yeah, I, I mean, there's still like, there's a lot of rebuilding to do and everywhere you go, you can find an effect of it. If I walk down the path, I can, I can find a bit where, you know, the path has come up and has risen up and there's cracks in it. Or if you go into the city, you know, every second building that you pass is something that's abandoned or it has asbestos or is earthquake damaged and it's being held up you know you I have very vivid memories of like being eight years old and going inside the cathedral and then to return to Christchurch when I was um like 10 years later when I was an 18 year old and just like not being able to go inside and just seeing all of the damage it was just so disheartening and like I wasn't even somebody who lived here but to kind of look at it and go, oh my gosh, that's, that's so sad. That was such a special place for me and now it's gone. I think a lot of people feel that. But definitely, like, we don't get as many earthquakes as often. And I know a lot of, like, myself and my friends, um, we're quite used to earthquakes in some capacity. We just kind of feel them and we're just like, oh yeah, that's, that's all right. Like, it still freaks us out. I remember me and then... um. A female flatmate that I have the most recent earthquake which was like a 4.5er it was like seven o'clock in the morning and both of us we, we immediately we just woke up we were like shaken awake and we were like really really anxious and then we couldn't both of us couldn't get back to sleep so we came into the lounge and we just sat with each other in silence and just like almost like had a panic attack because it was just it just brought back a lot of scary memories and Oh yeah, it's just super uncomfortable because you know that nothing's like wrong, but at the same time, it brings back those awful memories of you know everything crumbling around you. So yeah, it's a it's a very anxiety-inducing thing I think for a lot of young young people. And then <laughs> um, we had another really tragic event in Christchurch, and that yep. was the, the mosque shootings. So, so what do you remember then? What was happening for you in your life then? Uh, so I was studying, and so were all of my friends. And the day that that went down, I had been released from class a little bit early, so I managed to get home before we went into lockdown. However, all of my friends and all of my flatmates were stuck at my university, and I... It was like, and again, this is for somebody who wasn't even directly involved, so I can't even fathom how the people involved felt. But I sat at home and I was just, I was just really scared. And I, logically, I knew that there was no reason that, like, I personally would be under threat. But at the same time, you were just sitting inside your house with all the curtains drawn, like all of the lights off, all of the doors locked. And I was sitting there by myself and I was just watching the news and I was just trying to like call people and like get a glimpse of like whether people were okay, whether they're in lockdown or what's happening, you know, because you were so out of the loop. It was like I was I was at home and I was just um, I was making dinner and I got a call from my then partner's mum who had heard it on the news in Auckland before I had. And then they were like, have you heard about the shooter? And I was like, sorry, what? Like, what's going on? And so I had to sit there and turn on the news and just, yeah, I just remember sitting there for hours, just kind of, it must have made me more anxious and more tense to just keep watching that, that, that news. 
and just keep hearing the deaths and what was going on but at the same time you were almost like glued to the screen because you were just like I just want to know if people are okay um you know your heart was in your throat and it was just with all of those people and you were just praying that they could get to the hospital in time you were you were praying that your friends and family were okay um and I just remember the horror the sheer horror of the fact that somebody would do this based on race and religion I just couldn't fathom it I was so I was very angry for a long time because it it was just so yeah just heartbreaking um but I just remember there was um the way that we did it was when everybody was released from lockdown we came home and we just we couldn't do anything we couldn't sleep so a bunch of us about five or six of us we just gathered around the, the table and we just played card games because we were so like just just anxious and just so tense that the only thing that we could do was just sit with each other and just be with each other and just hug each other and just try and take our minds off of things a little bit um, because it was it was really traumatizing and for that and that's from somebody who wasn't you know directly involved who didn't see things um, you know I remember the, the awful Facebook link that went round I unfortunately I I saw that um, before they had a chance to take it down because it was just it was all over the place um, and I, I won't forget that I think for a very very long time I've seen a lot of horrible things but that was that was one that was just it was awful because it was like from the perspective of the shooter so it was um, God, you could just see the fear in people's faces, and it was—it was disgusting. Do you, do you think quite a few young people would have seen that? Yeah, you, inadvertently. Just a lot of yeah, than, than a lot of friends that I know. Um, we we were accidentally sent it, or we accidentally opened yeah. Facebook, and it was just there. And like, as much as you want to just like turn yeah. away or like shut it off, you were transfixed because it was just like, oh my God this is what I'm seeing, like you couldn't even process it quick enough to turn it off and then you'd already seen somebody dying right in front of you and it was just, I, I know that a lot of young people my age who lived through that are like quite traumatised by that because especially, like, especially in this age of being like really young people being real tech savvy it was just on our phones, we just opened our phones and that was just all we saw it was really hard to be on Facebook or to be on the internet for a while because um, it was everywhere. So it was just re-traumatizing us over and over again. So a lot of us, I remember, especially a lot of us as young women, we just like, we just turned off our phones or we just didn't, we, you know, like put them on the other side of the room because we were just like, yep, we're safe, it's okay, please don't talk to us. Because we were, we were just trying to deal with that you know that unimaginable trauma to process and it took a long time to process so yeah what do you think effect these shootings have on have had on Christchurch do you think or I mean poor Christchurch Christchurch has been through a lot um and I think it definitely had the effect of like this is a city of people who a lot of them still have post-traumatic stress from the earthquakes 
And to add like yet another traumatizing event on top of that was just really like, you kind of just, for as horrible and as awful as all the things that have happened to Christchurch were, it did in a weird, weird sense bring us together because we were all quite traumatized together. We like everybody has such similar experiences and everybody like just has this very special culture I guess in Christchurch of like being able to tell stories and like tell each other you know where you were on the day of this thing or how you uh dealt with one thing and we're very much like in the mindset of helping each other and so like while these events which are just incredibly traumatic, have had like a massive effect on Christchurch as a whole. The community of Christchurch has still managed to come together and like really pull each other through it, really help each other out because everybody's so willing to help each other. You could ask any person on the street and be like, hey, you know, do you remember March 15th? What, what were you doing? And they'd probably be able to tell you in detail. Um, or you know how do I how do I deal with this thing? People would you know give you tips and tricks for 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 surviving stuff like that because unfortunately Christchurch just has not bad luck but it's just yeah it's drawn the short straw um, but it's it's definitely had a massive effect on how the whole city processes things. We're very ready for. A lot of different events were always kind of like ready to hit the ground running and like we all as a city we definitely we mourn collectively but then we're also really good at just like picking back up after a disaster and just like carrying on with life i remember in the week directly after uh the march 15th shooting we were all kind of like stumbling around quite lost because we were like well how do you how do you carry on with life when you've seen something like that? How do you carry on with life when, you know, you're consumed, you couldn't walk anywhere in the city without running into armed police or um, memorials or flowers or just people crying. And it was so, you kind of just felt like you couldn't move on for a while, but also, yeah, everybody was willing to collectively come together and like, mourn and kind of heal um which i think is a massive part of christchurch they're all very very like willing to heal and they're very focused on positive healing um from all the <laughs> awful things that have happened mm. Mm. And then, of course, talking of things that, you know, make life a bit difficult, we had the <laughs> lockdown period yeah. after COVID-19. Yeah, that really didn't help. Um, which was, so if we just focus on that, so the, the, the first lockdown period was sort mm -hmm. of around about the um, 26th of March to the 28th of April, when it yeah. was really, um, you know, the heavy stuff. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me what was it like for you during that first lockdown yeah. period? How, how did you cope? Um, so I had, like, a massive, like relapse of my mental health because um that whole feeling of being locked in brought back a lot of like really nasty memories of my childhood um so that was like how it was for me personally but I know that like especially a lot of like young women my age we all didn't deal with that very well 
we all pretty much, all of us together, we pretty much stopped studying almost as soon as we went into lockdown. We stopped like reaching out to people. We stopped like doing recreational activities. It was, it was almost just like this sense of numbness that just washed over you because you were so, you were consumed by, by panic and the media and stuff, but also it was so, I don't know, just, just scary and lonely that you kind of had to shut yourself off to keep yourself safe because it went on for so long. You know, a lot of like traumatic events or like disasters or things, they're, they're like a one-time thing. It's, an, it's, a, it's a one day event. And so all you have to process is that one day. But for lockdown, because it's over a really prolonged period of time, it indicts something which is like complex post-traumatic stress, um, which is something that I have, um, so I, I know quite a bit about it. Um, and for a lot of people who struggle with mental health illnesses especially, it brought everybody back into that mindset of just being really numb and just kind of like going through the day like a zombie and just going through the motions. Um, and so it's, yeah, it really kind of stumped everybody. It really did us for a number because it was just like, there wasn't much point to every day. Cause you would get up and you'd be like, oh, every day is like the same one before. It felt very repetitive, very monotonous, very like Groundhog Day. Um, so who was in your house, in your bubble with you? So I was with my flatmates. So I was with my partner at the time uh, two young men and then another young woman um, and like a lot of us the, the the routine of the day generally went that we would all stay in our rooms for a lot of the day or we would all just kind of like wander around the house not doing much um, because we were like well what do we what do we do to keep entertained but we would the one thing that we got out of it that was really nice was that we would come together at the end of the day we would all make dinner together. We would have dinner. We actually, we moved in like a week before lockdown into our new flat. So we had no furniture. So there was just a bunch of all of these young people just sitting on the floor eating dinner. And then typically we would spend the evening either um, like drinking, playing video games or playing board games all together or just talking because we were we were all just trying to process this big, scary thing. And I think none of us really knew how to deal with it properly. So the best, we did the best, next best thing. We did the thing that we know how to do, which is just come together and just try and, you know, distract ourselves a little bit and just have a bit of fun and try to keep positive. Um, so I played a lot of board games. <laughs> Played a lot of jigsaw puzzles, played a lot of, um, oh, yeah, like lots of, um, like Pictionary or like charades and stuff because we tried to, tried to kind of keep it interesting. Mm. Um, but it was, I will admit that lockdown, it was just, it was very boring. Well, were any of the others in your flat working? Or uh, one of or us, one, one of the young men were uh, working. They worked at... A new world of supermarkets so they were an essential worker um, so they went out and I pretty much it was me and him pretty much who 
were the only ones who went out of the house to do the shopping and things because he he had a car and um, the rest of them kind of we, we had a couple of people who were like immunocompromised in our household like the, the other young woman she has chronic illnesses and she was immunocompromised so me and him were pretty much in charge of all the shopping and stuff so he went out and worked and I kind of whenever we wanted to go out shopping or you know when things all got too much we'd just go for a drive um, we did a lot of that which was that we were sometimes we would get so just overwhelmed with being in the house all day that we would go and drive somewhere where there was no people at all so like the port hills or um, middle of a forest or something which I think technically we weren't allowed to do but we didn't get out of our car it was just really nice to have a change of scenery and it just it felt very like overwhelming and very lonely and very like monotonous so especially me and the other young woman in my household we spent a lot of time together because um, the boys would all hide in their rooms and then we would spend the day in the lounge and we would generally talk or we would write or we would listen to music or go on tiny little trips around the block you know just anything to like get out of the house um, so it was a really really interesting time and because you couldn't really contact other people and, and I, I know that for a lot of young people and a lot of people studying you know our friends are our lifelines they are our family and they are our immediate surroundings because you couldn't go out and see people and you were stuck to just talking in real life with like one or two people in your household um, you really really got to know your like flatmates well but also um, you yeah, you felt like really isolated even though you had friends and you could be talking to them I know a lot of young women we just kind of like cut ourselves off for a couple of months because mm. <laughs> it was easier to like process things when we were just processing them within our household and within the people that we had otherwise it was just it was almost like too heartbreaking to think about the fact that you couldn't see your friends um, which sounds like something that like such a young person would say but it was it was really it was really difficult without your network around you your support network yeah it's a really big thing and did, did it feel at times did it lead to sort of some tensions or the yeah. just the same group all the time or yeah. did you manage that okay there were or? a couple of times where we were all so sick of each other's presence that we <laughs> we were just like oh, we would joke about it and we'd be like oh my god when this is all over you know we're, we're, we're not going to see each other for like four straight weeks because all we're going to be doing is like going places um, there were a couple of times where there was like tension inside the household but it got resolved quite quickly because we were all like we remember that we were like, oh, we all have to live with each other. So if anything did go awry, we'd fix it quite quickly with like a fun evening or we'd all watch a movie or we'd all talk about it because it was just like if if there was any shred of tension in the household, you know, you're cooped up there, you're stuck there. So it, it was definitely like a, um, yeah. What about, were there things, anything that you liked about being in lockdown that you could think um, of? I definitely did a lot of like just thinking and work on myself. I was very creative. I did a lot of writing and listening to music and, um, you know, watching new films and 
kind of reading new books and stuff because um, you were constantly trying to keep yourself entertained. So it made me really, really grateful for the arts community because um, they're kind of a like, we're kind of a dying breed at the moment. And every time they cut funding for another theatre or whatever, I remind them. I'm like, well, what did you do in lockdown? Did you watch movies? Did you read books? Did you did you listen to music? Because the arts were a, a thing that got a lot of people through lockdown, and I just I always try and poke people and remind them that you know what would you do when when you have nothing else to do you revert back to that um, because you know kind of arts and culture is just like the food of humans um, but I definitely I had a lot of really kind of life-changing experiences like I like I said I got to know the people in my house really well I've made some like lifelong bonds um, I'm still really really close to them even though I don't live with them anymore um, you know they become some of my best friends and we we hang out pretty much every week we do almost the same things that we did in lockdown but not anymore we just go and get in the car and we go for drives and we just go get food or whatever um, and it, yeah and it definitely gave me a lot of thinking about my life so yeah I, I suffer from mental health issues and it Honestly, it gave me a lot of time to just think and process stuff. And I really um, went through a big bout of change and acceptance because I just kind of sat down and I just thought about stuff all day. Um, so I did a lot of work on myself. So there were a lot of positive things as well. And when, when did things actually start to sort of change for you? Or did, you know, was it sort of going down to level two or level one? Or when did things get um, better? Or did they get better? Or? Uh, I think... Directly after we came out of lockdown and all the way down into level one, we, me and a lot of the other people in my life, we experienced like this weird in-between period of like trying to get our lives back to normal because it was, again, it was, it was a new normal. So we had to adjust from our routines out of lockdown and keep in mind, like, a lot of universities shut down or a lot of, um, we didn't have online study for a really long time. So we just had, like, genuinely nothing to entertain us with for a couple of weeks there. Um, we, ha we all kind of went through about where we were all really scrambling to find our feet and to find our kind of, like, purpose and how to get back to to life because we realized that we couldn't go back to life before we had to just kind of adapt to the life after um so i know a lot of people like their grades dropped or they dropped out of things courses um they lost jobs they you know they had a lot of they had to do a lot of things to take care of their own mental health in the aftermath of that kind of crisis um so and I'm glad that they did and I'm glad that I did as well um, like I personally I was doing a different course at the start of the year I was doing a social work course at the University of Canterbury but then I I after lockdown it really just killed my my motivation to study and it was um, I'm like autistic and I have ADHD and so like the zoom calls with like tens of hundreds of people on them were like super overwhelming and um, I found that I just, I couldn't focus at all. And I also, 
I had like no motivation to study and I, I'm somebody who really likes studying um, but during lockdown it was just like what do I do where do I begin where do I go what do I you know what do I focus my time on because you suddenly had way more hours in the day than you're used to having you go out to work or you go out to study and you'd only have a couple of hours of downtime in, in the evening or in the morning whereas suddenly you woke up in the morning and you were like oh my gosh I have like a 12 or 14 hour stretch of me of just like nothingness um, so it did lead to a lot of feelings of just kind of being like you went into a bit of a slump after lockdown but I, I, I know so many people who experienced that same thing because we all thought that we were alone in that in that feeling um, and then we came out of lockdown and we started talking to each other again and we were all like oh my gosh we all experienced the same thing we all experienced such a lack of motivation for study and for life and for you know our talents and creativity um, it just felt very stifled and so a lot of people like experience like a bit of a relapse of um, like depression and anxiety directly after coming out of lockdown and it's only really felt like it's gone back to normal quote-unquote um, in the last like three months like right up until like July August it still felt like you were like gotta hold my breath because we might go back into lockdown gotta hold my breath because we might have another like wave of the pandemic so I think a lot of people were almost preparing to go back into that place of trauma because they were so worried that another lockdown would happen so and do you think does it make you, you feel anxious the fact that there might be another lockdown um or? I think I'm definitely in a better place now than I was so I would deal with a, a second lockdown a lot better than say in the months after the first lockdown in the months after the first lockdown I probably would have been like quite intensely depressed because you know you've already experienced that one time and that was you know it was awful and you got through it but it, it really sucked and the whole thought of having to go back to that and having to like reduce narrow your world down again um it was a very anxiety inducing thing so i think a lot of a lot of young people actually took it upon themselves to be like really really strict with all the rules and like you know we still held parties and things but everybody was like super serious about social distancing and hand sanitizing and not seeing too many people and logging in with all the COVID tracers and um, you know even like not having a certain amount of people in one place so even though we desperately wanted to do all the shows that we did and do all of the activities and meet up and play games and you know all the things that young people do um, we were all very conscientious of the fact that we really didn't want another lockdown so we all took it upon ourselves to kind of hold each other accountable um, for trying to trying to reduce you know the COVID rates. That makes it really tough doesn't it because it's that just a juxtaposition of wanting to the connection you said was one of the mm -hmm. worst things about lockdown that yeah, lack of connection. Yeah it was very which, lonely. Which yeah. you really want but then you're aware that if you have too many too much connection too much get together mm -hmm. there's the danger of going back to that again yeah. so it's really tough for you. Yeah a lot of people um, a lot of young people definitely saw that and kind of took it on board and were like okay well if we 
just hold out just a little bit longer, if we just keep doing this a little bit longer, if we just keep up with the social distancing and the sanitizing and the logging in and all these, you know, ridiculous, like, enforcements, we will be able to have big parties again, we'll be able to put on a show again, we'll be able to go out with your friends whenever you want to. Um, so, you know, we really did pull together and um, kind of get it back down to a, a manageable level. And I'm like, I'm quite proud of Christchurch because like, <laughs> we're definitely, we're doing better than Auckland. Um, so a lot of us down here are really grateful for the freedom that we have now. Mm. But it is because we, we did pull in together and we did the hard yards of, you know, not seeing people, even though it was really painful to not see family. I remember the, the one guy that worked with us because he, yeah, he only went out to supermarkets and things. Um, and of course, you know, it's one at a time. Um, and then he came home. None of us af directly afterwards, even when it was like level three and level two, he was like, well, I, I still can't go out and see my family because I'm working at the supermarket. So I'm being exposed to people and then I could expose it to my family. And like, he had a couple of brothers who are also like autistic and immunocompromised. And he was just like, I'm just, I don't want to risk it. So it really hurt him because he was really close to his family. It really hurt not to be able to see his family. Um, but you know, he just had to do that. So he, you know, we found a lot of family in each other. Whereas I, I don't have any um, family or parents that I'm in contact with. So I, yeah, I really became close to the other members of my household. It, it certainly felt like we were creating our own little family for a while. Yeah. Did you have faith during that lockdown that things would, that it was going to work, that things were going to get better, that we were on the right track? Or, I think... Or was it... It was very bleak the whole time. Mm. But we did, we did have a lot of faith that like, just one day it might not be like society might not be back to normal the way that it was before lockdown because we never had that looming fear of something that we can't even see before and now we're like vehemently aware of it mm. so we we definitely did have hope the whole way through it was I suppose it was quite faint but it was it was always there it was the only thing that got us through lockdown I think was the hope that one day that things would just like go back to normal a little bit. You'd be able to see family and friends without worrying. Yeah. So, so the pandemic it, it certainly changed your way of life and the Definitely. way the way you think about life. Mm -hmm. um, has there sort of been, um, you know, what about your thoughts or your plans of what you're doing in the future? Has it sort of changed how you're planning your future? Yeah. I mean, uh, personally, for me, like I had a lot of plans to, I, you know, I don't have much money, so I didn't have as big plans as other people as traveling, but like I was planning to move to the UK sometime in the next like five or so years, because I, I am from the UK. And so I have a lot of family over there and it's always kind of been my dream to go back and, and live there for a while and work there for a while. And that's totally thrown <laughs> my plan out the window because I just don't trust the state of the way that things are going over there and I don't you know trust the Prime Minister um, to deal with it correctly because they're not um, you know every time in New Zealand every time a new COVID death gets registered or a new COVID infection gets registered the whole country 
knows about it and we're always like we're always like oh my gosh that's so awful we, like we all kind of mourn for that one or two deaths in the UK and in the Amer like in America there are so many thousands of deaths I don't even know how they process it I have no idea how they're getting through it because that's just insane it's I wish they'd handle things better but it's definitely put a stopper on a lot of my plans and like a, a lot of my friends had already had like plane tickets to countries they were going to visit or they had scholarships lined up or universities they were going to go to a lot of people had partners overseas i have um one of my girlfriends is overseas and um she you know she was applying she was in the process of applying for a visa to come and live over here before covid and then it's just put a massive barrier to all of those plans and so you know <laughs> pretty much all of our relationship has been like just over the phone so it's it's definitely like changed a lot of people's like life plans um you know the whole joke is like oh well no traveling for us you know or you know i do this but i can't because of covid or i'd go here but the borders aren't open so it's definitely like it's changed a lot of lives and i think in New Zealand, while it has still changed a lot of lives, it's not nearly as as like life changing as overseas. Like they're still in lockdown, whereas we at least we have like the freedom to roam about and meet new people and go out into the public. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. But also, yeah, it's definitely put a stopper on a lot of my big plans. Yeah. What about in terms of your your well being and your health and where you're heading with you know your identity and who mm. you are? Did did sort of being in lockdown and COVID sort of impact your thoughts around where you were heading there? Uh, yeah, I think I had, because I had a lot more time, you know, because we were a lot less busy and I had a lot more time to think, I definitely had a period of time where I like re-evaluated re my identity and I was like, am I truly being the person that I want to be? You know, am I going in the direction that I want to go? Um, and yeah, and I, I mean, I had a massive flip of my lifestyle, you know, I changed my university degree. I um, I came out to everybody as identifying as non-binary, um, which was like a massive deal for me. Um, and yeah, it definitely it definitely changed like my health and well-being and the way that I approach my health and well-being as well, which is like, because for COVID we were also closed off um, from other people. But the only, like, some of the only things that got me through were, like, um, 298 had uh, counselling sessions over Zoom. And so every week I could rely, the one thing I could rely on was that regular schedule of having that Zoom meeting with my um, youth worker. And it was some days, some weeks, it was literally the only thing I had to look forward to in the whole week. Um, so it definitely instilled a sense of routine. And even after, for a while... We were very hesitant to bring back the support group that we have here on Wednesday nights. But once things went back down to like level two and level one, and we started having that, oh my God, the whole group of us were so grateful to be back and having like a solid thing to do and a routine. Um, so it was, it was def it definitely like made me reevaluate how I ask for help and like how I go about the approach to my well-being because I think. During COVID, I, I shut myself off so much and I was so numb that I was just like, if something's wrong, 
I'm not going to tell anybody about it because I can't. Whereas like nowadays I'm like, oh, I've got a little thing. I might not be anything at all, but I'm going to go to the doctors about it or I'm going to go tell my counselor about this thing that I'm thinking about at the moment. And it makes me feel like I have so much more of an open approach to my own health and well-being. I'm like, no, actually, I'm going to shut away those little niggly thoughts that society says to just work yourself until you burn out. And I'm going to actually go and, you know, take steps to being healthier or you know, looking after myself more. Because I didn't really look after myself very well in lockdown. And I know a lot of other young people and a lot of other young women who, yeah, are our well-being really declined in lockdown because we just there wasn't much point to look after ourselves um so it's definitely changed how i view it yeah yeah so i guess that's sort of a positive i suppose yeah it definitely is yeah 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 but then there were also negatives around your well-being there were a lot through the pandemic and ongoing pandemic because it's still going it's still going yeah Mm -hmm. and i think it's really only now and at the end of the year that we're kind of like recovering and coming full circle you know a lot of those friends who struggled through lockdown are also coming into this end bit of the year and going oh okay I'm finally kind of all right again I'm finally kind of okay again so while it's like a big weight off of our shoulders it's definitely changed the way we view the world and approach the world Mm -hmm. Um, and definitely the way that we approach our own well-being definitely a big focus on our own mental well-being so the people who've been, you know, how you found help is actually through your friends mm-hmm. and through the counselling that was able. Yeah, through my to support system. Going. Here. Yeah. And what other sort of support system would you say has helped you through? Oh, um, I mean, just for me personally, my friends are my family. Mm-hmm. But I know that my friends have relied quite deeply on their parents at this time. Um, and their own family and their own siblings but of course I'm not in contact with mine so yeah my friends really got me through it Mm. really um, supported me through it and um, yeah 298 was like a massive factor Mm. in keeping my mental health like afloat Um, they were always willing to advocate for me they were always willing to you know talk to me Mm. about anything I needed to talk about you know it's a hub for for everything from if you down on your luck and you need a bit of spare food or if you want gender affirming clothes or if you want people to hang out with you know we have doctors appointments counselors youth workers kind of nurses top top to bottom um so they were a massive massive factor in um yeah, keeping Can me afloat. Just tell me, sorry, ask about your support group on Wednesday that you're you're running. Yeah. You're, you're running that, or that, that you're involved in running so that. So I'm, I'm yeah, I'm involved in running that. So it's not it's not like my group, but um, one of the youth workers here, um, they run a group for gender diverse um, youth from people from the ages of 13 to 25, and we all just meet up uh, on a Wednesday for a couple of hours in the evening. And we go into the big meeting room at 298 and we all just just have snacks and drinks and we talk and we you know it's a very safe place for for young people uh just to be who they are and just be themselves um in a welcoming and supporting environment and we sometimes we do like 
different themed evenings uh, or we'll watch a movie or whatever but it is just such a lovely like escape from from life for a couple of hours a week it is nice to just kind of take take the weight off your shoulders and come in and just hang out with people who are quite like-minded and who are willing to support you been instrumental in keeping that going because we've had a lot of youth workers um, leave 298 recently um, for like various different reasons but been going strong and they, they've actually just had their own top surgery um, so they've had a major surgery so they're recovering from that at the moment but they're going to be like coming back to work in the next couple of weeks um, because they know how like important it is to the young people that come to our group that they have that thing um, yeah so they're, they're, they're kind of incredible because one of the things that we're interested in is, you know, what you think can mm. make things better for young women in Christchurch Definitely. at this time and in the future. You know, what what sort of things do you think young um, women need in Christchurch? I think we definitely need like just yeah, just more routine and more support. And so those spaces, uh, similar to the ones at two nine eight, where we can all just kind of like relax, would be an amazing idea like I'd love something along the same boundary lines but maybe not for gender diverse individuals but for people who identify as women um, so like women's support groups or like even just like groups of like young women my age who we can we can all just go out and do like an entertaining activity like if we all I don't know, like go out go-karting or to the cat cafe or wh whatever. I think just like a group of people that we all know that we can kind of like lean on each other in times of need. Um, so, yeah, you could definitely, you could do all sorts of that. You could make Facebook groups and you could make support groups. And, um, yeah, it is just about, you know, funding and uh, location and all that sort of stuff. But, like, I, I'm sure, like, there's a lot of people out there, myself included, who are quite willing to help with this sort of stuff or run this sort of stuff because I know how good it is for the community. And, you know, I'd love to be involved in more things like that to the capacity because they just don't really exist. Um, and if they do, they're, like, criminally underfunded by the government. So um, I think it's a really good idea for more young people to, yeah, get up and talk about this sort of stuff. Do you think... Um they don't necessarily, groups don't necessarily have to be face-to-face, -face, like online, you know, yeah, you said Facebook totally. group is another option. Yeah, I think, um, yeah. you know, you could, there's, there's so many different ways that you could connect to each other these mm. days. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I genuinely think it would be a really good idea. And then it would be kind of optional, because you could have a Facebook group or, or <coughs> um, a messaging group or something <coughs> that, um, you know, so some people from that aren't can like pair off and go and do activities together or you know you can hang out with individuals or the group as a whole or you can choose to come along or whatever um so i think that would be like really monumental in just like knowing that you have somebody in your corner i think it's like a big thing it's like when you're really upset or it's late at night or you're lonely or whatever just knowing that you can reach out to a people group of people like you who are probably struggling with the same thing. And so you can just rely on each other. And I think that would be like a really lovely thing to have in the Christchurch community. So who needs to make this happen, do you think? Um, I think very often
often a lot of the work goes to the young people themselves trying to make this so I think it would just be really really nice to have some acknowledgement and some help and maybe some funding from like adults in the community because like while like I know all of the adults at 298 are like amazing but like you know I've had a lot of experiences with with doctors and with like counselors and things over the years where I'm just they've been like less than stellar at trying to help young people just simply purely and simply because they just don't know how and so stuff like this like reaching out to young people and like giving the reins over and relinquishing the control and going like what do you guys need what do you guys want it's like the biggest thing because we never get asked what we want you know all our lives we've grown up to the previous couple of generations set of rules and so now we're coming into our own and we're going actually we have all of these opinions and we have all these ideas we're really creative like a lot of us are really passionate about helping our communities and you know a lot of like social work and, and all that sort of kind of healthcare aspect of things but we often just don't get given the time of day by <laughs> um, by adults a lot because they think that we're like I don't know, immature or something. But we're all like really striving to prove ourselves and striving to help. So I think, yeah, more stuff like this where people are genuinely taking the time to go, what do you want? <laughs> Stop thinking about what we want and what we think is good for you. What is actually good for you? Um, and then giving us the, you know, the capability to foster those things. So if like a group of young women came up and we were like, hey, we really want to host like a support group just for like young women between the ages of like 18 and 25 in Christchurch. If we went to a group of adults or a council or whatever and we were like, hey, we really want to do this. We have lots of people. However, we'll need like a place to meet and maybe a little bit of funding to just like get ourselves off of our feet and just to do little activities and things. It would be so nice if somebody would actually take the time to be like, oh yeah, that's a worthwhile investment. Because I think we forget that there's, there's just not a lot out there for like the support and the mental health and the well-being of young people. Um, it's surprisingly hard to meet new people and find new friends without those kind of groups. Um, so I think definitely like, yeah, just taking the time to ask people what they want, ask young women what they want, instead of just handing them something. Because often when you just hand us like a group or something, it doesn't always like take off the way that you think it's going to. It doesn't always work. Mm. Asking us genuinely like the things that we'd be interested in doing and what we need from this community is like, a, it's, it's yeah, it's amazing work, yeah. Thank you so much. That's absolutely fantastic. Listen to more stories from Making the Most of Now on Plains FM 96.9, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 5 p.m. And get the podcast at plainsfm.org.nz, Spotify and Apple Podcasts.